The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Morning. Trust you had a good week. Trust you've been in your reading plan, following along. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 1. And looking at, kind of walking through 5 through 12, James chapter 1, more specifically this morning, 5 through 12. Uh, Wanted to also uh, let you know that on November 10th, uh, there's a ministry called Make a Difference, and they basically kind of like, I don't know how to say it exactly, Ralph and Stephanie know better, but they kind of really uh, facilitate a lot of ministries and gather a lot of ministries together to help one another, resource one another, be aware of the ministries that are taking place, gospel ministries uh, that are taking place in the Zephyr Hills, Dade City area more specifically, and I think probably runs a little bit bigger than that. But on November 10th, um, they're having something in Dade City. There's going to be a lot of ministries there. But what we want to do on the 10th is we want to go there and we want to help Toys for Tots put together bicycles that they're going to be giving away for kids for Christmas. And uh, you don't have to spin wrenches because apparently, I don't know how this works, but... Apparently, the bikes that they get are ones that how they're put together is not a lot of tools, but a lot of snapping together and putting together. So I don't, haven't seen one, don't know what they look like. And when I got to thinking about that, that's, everyone can do that. So, uh, you know, you can bring your kids and your kids can help open boxes, get parts out and hand parts and put stuff together. So it'll be a great opportunity to be able to do that. Plus, it'll give us an opportunity to begin to see some of the other things that are going on in that, through the ministry there and all the ministries that gather, that I know that there are a lot of social things that are going on, helps in so many different ways. So uh, just kind of think now, it's about a month out, so November 10th is a Saturday, and uh, what's the time on that again, Ralph, what time is it, 8.30, something like that, starts around 8.30, 9 o'clock. But I'm going to be giving you more information just to kind of cause you to be aware. And some in here may say, well, I don't really want to put together bicycles, but I would love to be able to know some of the other ministries that are taking place in our area and the region that we're around so that maybe I could uh, uh, kind of insert myself into helping them. So again, that is November 10th. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So... Last week, Robert uh, began in James walking us through uh, verses 1 through 4 and uh, concerning the trials that will try us. So we are going to face stuff, and he said specifically, there's just some stuff we're going to face because we are believers in Jesus. And he made the comment, you know, typically when trials come our way, the first thing we want to say is, why me? 
Like, what did I do to deserve this? Why me? And then what can I do to get out of it? But not just what can I do to get out of it, but what can I do to get out of it as soon as possible? Because I don't want to go through this. This is not something I'm happy about. And, you know, he expressed, this is no fun. And you know what? I agree. I have never looked at a difficulty in my life and got all excited about the difficulty in my life. But here in this context, the thing that we can't miss is that James doesn't tell us to be joyful about the trial. Specifically, he's telling us that we should be joyful of the fact that in the midst of them, in the midst of the trial, God is with us and God is working in us. So that's a huge difference because I think it's kind of crazy. I mean, not any of us, if they said, hey, here's the trial, be excited about the trial. Nobody would go, no, 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 that, not, not, no, I can't do that. And that's not what James is telling us to do. We need to be joyful. What in the world does that mean? Well, I think that when we, when we think about the fact that God is with us and whatever we go through, there's two things that it should produce in us. One is this calm assurance and gladness that He is with us. That's joy. Joy isn't jump up and down. The, the word specifically has this idea of calm delight. So in the midst of it, God is with us. So I'm assured I got this peace and I'm grateful to God to know that I'm not alone in this. And the second thing that it should do is give us the ability to walk through whatever it might be, trusting God in the middle of it, that is perseverance. This constancy in our life, this ability to remain steady under pressure. So it is not quitting, not turning from faith, from what we believe to believe something different, not giving up our hope that God is who He said He is and will do what He said He will do, and not failing to walk in love through it. Now, you know, when we're in the middle of it and we're facing of it, that's a tall order. But the reality, if James is talking to us about it, then it's doable. So we need to keep in mind that in the midst of our trials, the difficulty we face, there is that other thing that is going on. There is that other thing that is going on where God is working in us to mature us, to complete us as His people. And, you know, when I, the, as soon as I think about the word mature and complete, it, to me, it just implies process, a further work that needs to be done. So I've said this so many times, God loves you the way you are, but He refuses to leave you that way. I mean, me at 20 years old, never going to church, knowing anything about God and living the life that I was living, living what I believed and running in the direction I was running in, there were just a lot of things that needed to shift in my life. The way I thought, the way I saw the world, the way I behaved, the way I allowed things to hit my life. That wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't get saved and all that was just complete. You know, there was this process. You know, and 
probably like you, I would wish that God would mature and complete me through warm fuzzies. Wouldn't that be nice? But here in the context, that's not what we're hearing from James. And we were, on Wednesday mornings, we've been kicking around James as we've been walking through it and find that, you know, what James is talking about here isn't isolated. I think it was a week or two ago, a couple weeks back, you know, we're in there chatting and Alton's in there and he's kind of off to the side on his phone and I'm, he's on it for a while. I'm going, come on, Elton, pay attention. What I didn't realize that he was doing is he was just kind of ro- rolling through scriptures as they were coming to his mind of all the different places that they were, that this topic was talked about. And so I just asked him, hey, would you just kind of share for us some of them other places and a thought about that? All right. Okay, real quick, I'm going to steal this so I have space. Um, as we were talking about suffering and trials, and uh, James 1 here opens up with, um, know that uh, the testing of your faith produces endurance, but he says right before that, encountering various trials. And we were talking about what is various trials? What does that mean? What does that look like for us today? Um, James, is, as Robert pointed out, was written to the diaspora, the 12 tribes, as they were scattered among the nations. So they're no longer around Jerusalem. They're no longer in the same place. They're kind of scattered and among people who don't believe what they believe. And they're being persecuted uh, there. Their jobs are, are threatened. They're being uh, threatened with physical harm. You know, uh, socially, they're kind of outcasts. They're not a part of the major group, right? So their trials look quite a bit different to us who are kind of part of the majority. There's a lot of churches around. We don't necessarily face the same kind of trials. And so we were talking about what does that mean to face trials? And as I was looking through, remembered uh, Jesus himself talked about trials. So if we would turn to John chapter 16. You guys have Bibles? If anybody needs a Bible, raise your hand real quick. We can get you a Bible. Uh, So John chapter 16, uh, he says, uh, in verses 31, let's go ahead and start there. So Jesus is talking to his disciples right before, uh, right after actually he told about his death and resurrection, okay? So this is him talking about him going to be dying, and he's talking to his disciples here, and he says, do now believe, behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have come, uh, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace, and in the world you may have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Right? So Jesus himself is saying, listen, you're going to get scattered. You're going to face tribulations. But the good thing is, I got this. Right? My father is in charge. He sits on the throne. He is in charge. And I'm going to be the one who's going to die, pay for the sins, come back in resurrection, and I'm going to overcome the world. So huge promise there. And then let's flip over to Romans chapter 5 real quick. And then, again, obviously you know that you can take these passages and read them later this week. I would encourage you to do that. Just take some time, meditate on them. Look at the uh, surrounding verses and kind of see the situation that the people are in that that are being written to here. But Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, real quick here. Uh, He's talking about just after they've been justified, what that means, right? So uh, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations or rejoice in our tribulations and trials, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, 
hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has poured out, has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Jesus, just as Tracy was just talking about, tribulations and trials produce certain things, right? Romans 5 here just points out, it produces perseverance, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because it's rested in somebody who cannot disappoint, who can come through and who can bring this to completion. And then uh, further, as we were talking about trials and tribulations, I think a lot of times as Christians in 2018, we uh, have friends who maybe do not believe the same things that we do politically, uh, socially, uh, in the way that we should raise families or do schooling or do medicine or many, many, many things. We're very uh, strongly opinionated on those things, and that's great. One of, the, one of the wonderful things about our country is you get to be that way. Um, we get to have different opinions and to disagree. That's awesome. We love that, right? But sometimes as the church in 2018, we take a disagreement with the way that we choose to live non-Scripture concerning portions of our life. We take those disagreements as a trial or a tribulation or an attack on us and our beliefs. And uh, so we're looking through at 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, 12 through 16. We're not going to read the whole thing, but if you would mark verse 12, mark through verse 16, read that later, ponder on it, and think about what that means. Um, what he says here is, uh, let's see, behold, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which has come upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised. You're going to face trials and tribulations. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Okay, so for the portion that you are suffering on Christ's behalf, for your faith, for your belief in the Lord, and for sharing that, in those specific things, take joy. You're rejoicing for something really good. So that the revelation of his glory may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. It's all really good stuff, right? I mean, suffering, so that's not nice, but for good reason. And then verse 15 takes a real strong pivot here. Make sure, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer. That's good, because if you're murdering, you're not suffering for Christ. Really clear there. Um, or a thief, right? We can all easily agree. If we're suffering as a thief, it's not on Christ's behalf. It's because we were dumb and stole things, right? Uh, or an evildoer. Evildoer, that's pretty easy. We categorically can line up evildoers. Um, or the last one here, or a troublesome meddler. Wait, that, I mean, come on. I am the oldest of seven kids. Uh, I'm, I like to meddle. I like to be troublesome and poke at wounds. <clears throat> Not anymore, because I'm mature now. Um, <laughs> but I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we can truly reflect through this passage and, and take stock of of our hearts, of our attitudes, of the way that we interact with people, perhaps on Facebook uh, or other social media platforms. <clears throat> Facebook kind of seems to be the biggest one right now. Uh, are we being persecuted because we're annoying and poke at people and are mean? Or because that doesn't count. I want to be really clear. That That is not what we're talking about in James here as far as facing various trials. That, that's, that's you. And 
It, it doesn't feel nice to say. I mean, it hurts, right? But, but that's, that's just suffering for real life stuff. That's not suffering on Christ's behalf. And scripture is very clear, right? Peter's like, listen, don't, don't be a jerk. Because if you're a jerk, we talked about that. <laughs> what was it last series we went through, right? Very opening part of the book. Don't be a jerk. It's not going to count. So, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, verse 16, he is not to be ashamed, but it is to, the glor- to glorify God in his name. And it goes on there, finish reading that out at another time. But real quick, <clears throat> the end of the book here, verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Verses 8 through 11, we're going to do that. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This is where a lot of your trials and tribulations are going to come, the real, the real trials and tribulations. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered, this is what Tracy was talking about just a minute ago, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the encouraging thing. We are going to face trials and tribulations. The real kind, okay? And through that, as we are faithful, as we honor Christ throughout that, as we suffer for a while and are patient and have endurance, and as that is perfected in you into hope, and as you hope in the one who can, the only one who can actually perfect any of us in us, he, in, verse, in Peter 5 right here, he says, he himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's not on you. At the end of the day, you're not going to perfect yourself. It's not going to happen. But we know that as we are faithful and consistent throughout this, God himself will perfect us in him. So be encouraged in that. We're going to go on to the rest of James here. Thanks. You know, uh, thinking about James chapter 1, and if you looked at the context of where we're at in verses just 1 through 12, kind of a flow of thought, you know, hey, you're... Uh, you're scattered, and I'm writing to you because you're living in tricky situations, and life gets difficult, and you need to know that when life gets difficult, God is there. He's really doing something in you, whether you see it or you don't, and if you're going through stuff, and you don't really, can't really see that, then you just really need to begin to ask God about that, and God will help you see it, but you need to know that when you go to him, that he's really there, and when you go to him, you need to believe that he's really there, not waver or doubt from that, because if you do, that'll just mess up your life. And it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor in this scenario because trials come to everybody. What we need to know is the blessed man is the one that when they come, he walks through them trusting and he receives the reward of that. And so the admonition that James is getting at, he's saying some pointed things, but really this whole thing to me is an encouraging admonition. Look, as believers, stuff happens and it's tricky, but you need to know that God is there no matter what circumstance of life you're in. And there's a reward that God is giving for you as you continue to trust God through it. So thinking about it in its context, I love it. And in Peter, you know, he talks about um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, uh, Peter pegs them, he says, manifold trials. Or manifold temptations, depending on your translation, that word periosmos means 
difficulties in life that will come or allurements to sin. And it depends on the context to what the word, how it lends itself. So he says that there are manifold trials or temptations. And manifold means many-sided, many-colored, varied shapes, sizes. And I like to think of it, to wrap my head around it, I think about it as a bouquet of flowers. And a lot of times bouquets of flowers have a lot of different flowers in it, a lot of different colors, a lot of different shapes, a lot of different textures, a lot of different smells. But it's a bouquet. And so we think about this. And then he goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, there is the manifold grace of God. Now connect those two. So, so, you know, in my life, I'm facing this trial and it's over here. It might not be a big thing, but it's over here. And this is a manifold trial or temptation. What I need to understand is that when that is there, there is manifold grace. So it doesn't matter what I face. Because as varied as the trial or the temptation is varied the help of God in my life. So I'm over here and I'm walking down in life a little bit longer and there's this one here and it's like this big. This is this varied, this manifold trial or temptation that I'm in. I need to have a clarity from the Word of God that there is this here, but there is this here, this manifold Grace, Tracy, you don't understand. I mean, it is this big. What I'm walking through right now is this, and it is this big. Well, from what I understand from the Scriptures, the grace of God is this big. It doesn't matter what this is. It could be a real tragedy in your life, but there is real grace to meet whatever that tragedy is. And you say, Tracy, no, no, no. It is huge. It is this big. My trial, my temptation is trying to destroy my life. The only thing that I can say to you from the Scripture is that there is a manifold grace that big. And I understand from my Scripture that grace is greater. So whatever you go through in life and you say, Tracy, you're not walking through what I'm walking through. I understand you're not walking through. I'm not walking through that, what you're walking through. But there are times that you are not walking through what I'm walking through. The pain and the heartache of life. And what do you do? I know and I've learned that whenever it comes, whatever it is, in whatever way it hits me, He is with me. Manifold trials and temptation, manifold grace. I don't know about you, but that just kind of gets me excited. It wakes me up in the morning to know that no matter what happens in life, I can face whatever it is. Now, through all this, one of the other things that I've learned about that is that when I face trials, difficulties in my life, they do not give me permission to go off the reservation. To say what I want to say or do what I want to do because the pressure of life is on me. They don't give me the opportunity to go rogue. Just to do what I think is best. To act out. To deviate from what I know is right. Trials and difficulties in my life give me the permission, give me the opportunity to go to God for help. 
So when they're coming your way, it's this huge opportunity to know that God has got this open door that it's like there's no door. It's like a walkway, just a walk through, to be able to walk through and find what we have need of. I, listen, I know that this stuff doesn't happen overnight. I know that there is this process that takes place, but I do know that the Scripture tells us we're in a difficult situation. What we need to do, according to verse five, chapter 1, verse 5, is that we need to go to God. We need to ask God for help. Look, God is at work in our life transforming us, changing us into the image of His Son. There is this, what the Scripture calls, is there is this restoration that is going on in our life. There is this, like Robert shared last week, our life is fractured and God is just, He's mending the fractures in our life. And I love that. And so for me, what's easiest for me is images to kind of wrap my head around this. So the first image, here's this motorcycle. Here's a before and after. You know, before, not too pretty. After, that thing looks like it was supposed to look, right? The next picture. So here's a car, this restored car. Before, that's a, like, that's a piece of junk. Now, wives, how many of you, if your husband brought that home, would go, what in the world did you just do? But somebody saw something in that. And somebody knew that if they just put some effort and energy into that, they could restore it to what its original intention was to be. Next slide. Oh, that's mine. Uh, next slide. <laughs> I've tried them all. They don't work. This house, you got to look at that before picture and the after picture of any of these, and you got to know that that didn't happen overnight. That took a lot of time, attention, and resources, right? There was a lot that went into that. You know, for me, and those of you that know me, maybe a little bit about my life is uh, I've spent, you know, I've rehabbed a lot of houses, and Denise has helped me with all of them. And uh, it was always interesting that we got, when we, we were rehabbing, we'd buy a house, and we'd go in, and I'd just start tearing it up. So I tear out the kitchen, I tear out the bathroom, I tear out the ceiling, I tear out whatever, I move walls, and I got piles of junk everywhere, I got a pile of junk outside, and Denise would come into the house, and she would just look at it and just kind of be overwhelmed, because I have this gift, apparently, that I can walk into a place and go, yep, tear that out, tear that out, move that, move that, and this is what it can, I can just kind of see what it's going to look like. She doesn't, which is fine, but I help her see it, and we all have different ways, and the, and the, the image in my mind was when Denise walks into the middle of the mess, all she can really see is the mess. She's trusting that I know what in the world I'm doing. Now, I just want you to know on the first few, it took till we got completed that she went, okay, all right, he, 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 he can do what he says he can do. Do you, you see where I'm going with this idea that 
God's desire in our life is that we do not lack anything in life. God's really all about the details. He's all about the finishing touches. Yes, uh, I, re- I asked Jesus to come into my life, forgive my sins, and, and he forgave your sins. But man, he's wanting you to grow you into the image of Jesus. So there's a lot of stuff that you've learned that is wrong. There's a lot of stuff that you have behaved in particular ways and acted out in particular ways that that's not how Jesus wants you to act or behave as his child. And there's this process going on in your life. He saw you, and he grabbed you, and he's doing a work in your life. And that's going to take some time, attention to details, and resources. It's just not going to happen overnight. Now, what about this last image? How many of you feel like this? Half done, half not done. And I think if we be honest, we, that's kind of how it is. So what do you do when you feel like you're not there? When you feel that you have a lack? Well, that's the go to God. And why do we go to God? Because God will give us what we need to keep going. God will keep adding to our life. See, What does God give us here with James? What does God give us when we go to Him? Well, God gives us what we need. Mm, Man, there's just so many things buzzing through my head right now of what we think we need and what God knows we need. Here, when my, my thinking process is, what do we need to get from here to glory? When I'm thinking about this, what do we really need in our life? Well, we need faith. We need the ability and the strength and the, to, be able to, to be able to apply that faith, the learning to keep trusting God with our lives, no matter what we're up against. So James chapter 5 through 8, it, it, I'll read it. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, we'll just go to God. He gives generally to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Bam, truth. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Again, God doesn't leave you alone in the trials, but there is grace so that we can successfully face them, so that we can successfully walk through them. And the help that James says that we need in these situations is wisdom. Now, According to the Hebrew mindset, there's several things here, but by and large, wisdom was being able to know God's truth and apply that truth to your life. There was this skill that you would acquire. You'd acquire knowledge and this skill by practice of applying these truths to your life. So it's uh, when, um, when temptation comes, what are we supposed to do with temptation? We're supposed to flee it, right? We're not supposed to just sniff it, poke it, get near to it, hug it, 
when, when difficult, when temptation draws you to a place and you realize that you're supposed to just turn and run from it. So it's knowing truth. When, when our life, we feel like God has left us, we need to know that God won't leave us or forsake us. We apply that truth to our life. No matter if we feel isolated and alone, we've got to know that that truth is there. So how do you apply that truth? Father, I know that your word says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You're the apple of my eye. You've written my, me in the palm of my hand that if I cry out to you, you will come, you will hear, you will come, you will help. Father, right now today, I'm depending on that. I'm trusting you in that. And then as you get that truth and begin to acknowledge that truth and begin to apply that truth by cracking open your Bible, by dropping on your knee, by sharing that prayer concern with someone else, all of a sudden, you practicing that out, it becomes a reality and you sense and you realize that God is with you and He was with you all along. So it's not just about knowing truth, it's about applying. You can know truth all day long and it's not going to do you a lick of good. So he, uh, you know, Hebrew wisdom is about the understanding of a belief system. Not wasn't just an understanding about a belief system, but applying the belief system. Listen, you know, this is what we want in our elders. We want guys. We want leaders, men and women. We want people that have faced difficulty and trusted Jesus through it. I am not. My brother was married and divorced three or four times, three times and living with someone else by the time I was ready to get married to Denise. He grabbed me one day and said, little brother, let's go to lunch. I thought that was odd because, first of all, he offered to buy. Uh, we get there and he says, I want to talk to you about marriage and women. Really? And what good nuggets could you drop into my life about that? Right? So for us as believers, for, you know, some people say, when Robert said, why me? Let me just say something. You will go through stuff in your life not because you need it to believe. But you're going to go through it so that you can believe through it so somebody else can see you believe through it. Some stuff you're going to go through difficulties that you're going to face, not because you need it to be able to get to heaven and know Jesus and trust Jesus because God's got to really cement it in your life because the next phase of your life, you're going to need to be able to share that experience with others you're around. So why me? You're a believer. Why me? Because I'm a child of God. Why me? Because I'm a light in a dark place. Why me? Because God is growing us up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. He's transforming us into the image. He's not wanting you to be a beat up, junked up piece of whatever. He's refining your life and He's putting love and grace and kindness and forgiveness and wisdom and knowledge into your life so that He can represent Himself through you. You know, we look at the book of Proverbs and it's just glaringly obvious. The fool and the wise. The fool does what they want, how they want. Don't think about the consequences of it. The wise man lives in obedience, trying to trust God, do what he wants him to do, and receives the reward of that. And here in James, we really need to see that wisdom, 
here is this understanding the nature and purpose of trials and knowing that God is there to help you know how to walk through them. So if you're lacking the ability to see, to trust, you just need to ask. But it's interesting that ask isn't like a one-time deal. You need to be like, you need to be a toddler. Moms and dads, you're going to know this. You, it's dinner time in three hours, fresh cookies, and the kid is going to go, can I have a cookie? No. Five minutes later, can I have a cookie? Please, can I have a cookie? I'm hungry, can I have a cookie? And they do that to mom, and mom says, no, no, no. So then what do they do? They go to dad. Can I have a cookie? Why can't I have a cookie? I'd like a cookie. I'm hungry. I can't wait three hours. Can I have a cookie? And then what happens there? Goes to his sister. Hey, can you go snag me a cookie? They, they are relentless. They just keep asking. We need to be toddlers when it comes to this. Because when we come, God's not going to go, Ugh. what do you keep coming to me about this for? You should know how to do this, no? Here in James, it says, if you go to God about this, He'll give it to you. But He just doesn't say He'll give it to you. He'll give generously. Now, let me just say this. When you're in the mix of it, you don't smell that at all. Because you have, you're, y'all you see when you're in the mess, you only see the mess. And you can't see it. But here's the deal, when we've gone through it before, and then we look back on it, we see Him there. So the next time we face something, it hits us the same way, but we catch on a little quicker. He was there with me then, I think He'll probably, He's, He'll be here with me now. So, Father, here I am. I'm not knowing what to do. I'm feeling this way. There's all kinds of stuff hitting my life, but what I need is I need to know truth, and I need to know what to do with it. So you get on your knees, you get into the Word, and God begins to show you from His Word the truths, and then He begins to show you how they're applied. You read through Abraham, and Abraham, it says he didn't waver at believing that God would do what He said He would do. It didn't say He didn't have tricky times. He just decided not to quit on what God said. He was going to keep pursuing it. Somewhere in Him, somewhere in Him was lodged in Him the reality that I am God's child, which gave Him the permission and the liberty to ask God to help Him where He was, which gave Him a confidence that if I'm God's child and God says who He is, then somewhere God is going to help me as His kid. And God does. I love that. You know, the, the phrase in Greek, uh, go to God who gives generously, it really reads this way, go to the giving God. Go to the one God who gives. I love because I just got done with Isaiah, so Isaiah, I don't know how many times in there he's going, all right, well, you take a chunk of wood and you cut it up, you use part of it to build a fire to cook your food on, you use part of it for your house and you carve a little idol out of it and you pray to it and talk to it. It can't hear, can't talk, can't do anything. It just sits there. Matter of fact, if you're going to go somewhere, you've got to pack the dumb thing up and carry it with you. Then you set it all up again, you do the same thing. It can't do anything for you. But our God gives. He's the one God who can. He's the one God who does give. I like that. 
So really, the only barrier that I see between from, uh, in finding God's help, what's us? Because what we need to do, it says, is we need to ask. Well, but then it kind of gives a qualifier. We need to ask in faith. So here's where really belief and reality collide. Because you're standing in the middle of the mess, and all you see is the mess. You're, you're there in the middle of the pain, the confusion, the heartache, what, whatever it might be. It is overwhelming. Look, at the Bible says you will face the things you face because they are common to man. They're of human origin. In other words, you're going to just face stuff because you're human. You will face disappointment and heartache and pain. That, that will happen. We shouldn't be surprised about it, but when, that, when it does happen, man, that's where really it's tricky because that's where faith and reality collide because the pain is great or the unbelief is great or the, the discontentment, whatever it is pressing on you is big. But where there is this manifold trial or temptation, there is this grace that is there at the same height and level to meet you where you are, to give you an ability to find your way through. When we ask, we need to not doubt God's faithfulness, not waver in our believing, because what you see is not what God sees. What you know is, what not, is not what God knows. You can say, my life is being upended, and I would say, nope. From what I read from the Scriptures, your life is being transformed. You can say, there is a storm that is destroying me. I would say, no, there is a God who is with you, protecting you in the middle of the storm, although you don't see it. The God who will never leave you nor forsake you. The God who said He will be a shelter to you in the middle of the storm. He says what we need to be is not double-minded. We shouldn't stand between two opinions. Yes, God is true, and He'll do that for me. I'm not really sure if He'll do that. There's a yes of belief, the no of unbelief. And it's like that wave in the circumstance of life then. If you, if you allow that, if you can't find an anchor, that anchor of truth in your life, who is God? And again... Does he show up right away? Yes. Do we know he shows up right away? That's the big no. I, I love where Daniel's praying, and, and, uh, and when he finally arrives, Daniel's been going, where you been? And he's going, hey, I, second I heard what was going on, I was coming your way, and I had this little spiritual battle on my way, but you were in heart and mind, I, I was coming your way. Let me just say that God's coming your way. God is coming your way. He is there. Well, how do you know that? Well, my Bible tells me when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, He comes into my life. He is resident in me, and we forget that. So we don't have to go looking for Him. Why don't you just kind of look in the mirror, crack open your chest, and say, Hello, Jesus. Here's the truth and the reality that we need to grab a hold of. Here's the truth and the reality that James was trying to get his followers to understand, written in the Word for us that he's trying to get us to understand. You know, when you waver between two opinions, it affects every, er, every area of your life. This uh, deficiency in our life of believing 
sometimes, sometimes uh, hinders the effectiveness of what God wants to do. Let me end with this. Remember Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. It's this guy, he's got a demon-possessed son, and his disciples are there, and they're trying to cast out the demon, and they can't. What's going on before that is that Jesus, with Peter, James, John, is in the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, they're coming down from the, after this transfiguration, and they're, they're coming down out of the mountain. As they come down on the mountain, Jesus and his, those three disciples see this crowd with his disciples and this kind of thing that's going on. And Jesus, like he does, he just, I love this, he just walks into the middle of it. And he says to him, uh, what's going on? The father says, listen, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. Jesus says, if I can, if I can, everything is possible for the one who believes. I never really caught this like this before, but Jesus says, it's not on me, it's on you. This, this isn't on me. This is on you, if you can believe. And so, immediately, the man just exclaims back, he goes, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me overcome this unbelief in my life. And so, it may seem like this father was wavering, double-minded, but I'm going to tell you that I don't think the father was oscillating between belief and unbelief. I, because he said it very specifically, he says, I do believe. But because he sensed this lack, he, it was there. What did he do? He just asked Jesus. He wasn't facing in two directions. This man was staring square into the face of Jesus. When James tells us that when we lack, we just need to go to God to get from what to get from God what we really need, the thing that really is going to be beneficial in our life, when we take steps that way, we are staring square into the face of Jesus. And what's it, what's the next thing happening? It says, and Jesus responded. Whew. Wow. Man, for a moment in time, you know, we, we walk through these experiences where we get into tricky situations and we're trying to figure out what that looks like and we think that we're failing at it and we might not be doing the very best job at it, but we're not quitting on it. And when, if, if, if we could just, for, for a moment, it, it, it is like, you are saying, I just need you to help me. What, what is happening is, it's, it's like God has just got his hands looking you square in the face, and you are looking at him square in the face. That's what faith is. Looking to the one, the only one, the giving God, to give you what you need.
I am so, so grateful for God in that. So again, whatever you face, rich or poor, we're all going to face troubles. In, in, the, in the, the culmination, so to speak, of it, and, you know, depending on what translation you have, verse 12 is sometimes connected to 5 through 8 or 5 through 11. Sometimes it's connected to 13 and what follows, and it really doesn't make a difference. But it's almost like James is capping off this little area, and he says, uh, so, just so you know, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because that one, having stood the test, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love Him. Let's not quit or give up. Let's just stare into the face of Jesus and ask Him to do what He said He would do for us. To give us what we have need of. So that we can honor Him with our life. So we can be lights in the world around us, giving hope to those that see that working out in our life. Would you stand?